Welcome to our ancient future story, Navigating Scripture Through the Eyes of Family, where I share with you biblical stories as a family member would share a story around the dinner table. As children of God, we are a part of God's family, and His family story has a lot of history. Each week, we will take one story and talk about it, the cultural, historical, geographical, and sociological impacts. We will be looking at these stories from the perspective of our ancestors through the lens of ancient times in hopes of learning more about our family. This is our Ancient Future Story. Welcome back to our Ancient Future Story. I'm Vic, and I am so excited to share with you the story of Abraham's promised son, Isaac. It has been 25 years since God first promised Abraham a son, and today we are going to see God come through on his promise. It was a long wait, and Abraham wasn't perfect along the way, as we discussed a few episodes ago. But God still reached out in love and redemption to give Abraham what was promised to him to begin with a son of his own flesh and blood. So, grab your cup of coffee or something to drink and get ready to hear the story of the birth of Isaac. We open our story today by looking back at last week's episode when God not only promises a son to Abraham, but this time it gives him a name. God came to talk to Abraham for the first time since Ishmael was born. It has been 13 years. He came promising all the same things, land, wealth, and of course, descendants. Abraham, who is now 99 years old, starts laughing. Of course, this sounded absolutely ridiculous and insane. Abraham even says, Shall a child be born to me in my old age? I am a man of a hundred years old. Shall Sarah, who is ninety, bear a child? But God says, Yes, you and Sarah will have a son in your old age, and you shall call him Isaac. Historical fun fact. Isaac means he laughs, because Abraham laughed when God told him He was going to have a child in his old age. God continues, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. Then the Lord leaves and Abraham takes Ishmael and all the men of his house and he fulfills the covenant that he and God had just established and he circumcised them. Then in the next chapter, we see what seems like hours after they have just been circumcised. Abraham is sitting by the oak of Mamre, likely recovering when three strangers show up at his tent. Abraham immediately jumps up to speak with them. He offers to wash their feet, encourages them to join him while sitting under the oak of Mamre, and gets up to prepare food for them. Abraham runs around the campsite gathering food for his guests. He first tells Sarah to take flour and make cakes, and he goes to his men 
who have all just been circumcised, by the way, and tells them to prepare a young calf. Then Abraham takes the curds and milk and the calf that was prepared, and he gives it to the men. Abraham then stands there with them while they are eating. While they are eating, the men are look at Abraham and ask him, Where's your wife, Sarah? Abraham says, She's in the tent. Then the men give Abraham the news that Sarah will have a son at this time next year. Sarah, close enough to overhear, starts laughing because the idea of a woman at her age getting pregnant was completely insane. As soon as she laughed, the men turned to Abraham and said, Why did Sarah laugh? Like Abraham was supposed to know the answer. Then they say, Is anything impossible for the Lord? This time next year, Sarah will have a son. Sarah tried to deny that she had not laughed, but the men called her out and said, No, you did laugh. And then Abraham walks the men out of the tent and towards Sodom to the road they were traveling. Fast forward one year exactly in Genesis 21. And Sarah does conceive and bear Abraham a son in his old age. Abraham names the boy Isaac and circumcises him on the eighth day in accordance to his covenant with Yahweh. Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was 90 when the Lord fulfilled his promise of giving them a son. And that is where our story ends for today. God coming through and fulfilling the promise he made Abraham 25 years earlier. The promise took longer and looked much different than Abraham was expecting, but God was true to his word. Abraham had a son of his own flesh and blood who would kickstart the billions of descendants in God's family. So let's dig into our story. After solidifying the covenant of circumcision, God comes to Abraham for the fifth time, promising a son for him and Sarah. But this time, there are a few things we should notice. First is the location. Most of the story takes place at the Oak of Mamre in Hebron of Canaan at Abraham and Sarah's home. They had settled in Hebron between Bethel and Beersheba after Lot and Abraham had separated back in Genesis 13. This oak is sometimes referred to as the Oak of Abraham, and it is only referred to three times in our Bible. In all three occasions, the purpose is to locate Abraham and Sarah. So the reader knows specifically where they are, since trees were often used as landmarkers for directions. They use the Oak of Mamre. Historical fun fact. This specific tree is intentionally called Oak instead of tree, because in the ancient Near East, there was a tree-worshipping tradition used to encourage or exemplify fertility in the land. But here we see a distinct synonym used to avoid such comparison. The writer does not want us to make the connection from the ancient Near Eastern tree worship and with what Abraham is doing here at the Oak. We see the synonym usage throughout the Bible. Like in Genesis 1.16, for example, 
when God is creating the greater light and the lesser light. We know he is referring to the sun and the moon, but in Hebrew, the words to say sun and moon are the names of those Canaanite gods of sun and the god of moon. So, to avoid any confusion of what is being spoken about, the term greater light and lesser light are used instead. And this is what is happening here when describing where Abraham and Sarah are located. This oak tree still stands today, though it is surrounded now by iron fences and being held up by metal beams. Visits to this beautiful tree are still possible, but difficult, and therefore few and far between. But a few adventurers have found themselves at this tree and were able to take a picture of it. Uh, I will be posting the picture on our social media page so that you all will be able to see what it looks like. I also think it is important to mention that the Oak of Abraham is in Hebron. Now Hebron is a very significant city in the lives of Abraham's descendants. It is mentioned over 80 times in the Bible and considered to be one of the four most holiest places in Israel. It is known as the home of the patriarch Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as the place where David was anointed king of Judah after the death of Saul. And he reigned there for the first few years of his kingship before officially becoming king over all of Israel. Next thing interesting that we should notice about Genesis 18 is God showing up at Abraham's house in the form of three men. This is unique on its own, because why send three messengers when technically Yahweh is Abraham's personal God? But it is good to note how the ancient Near East viewed travelers and people who lived along trade routes. Remember, Canaan is in the perfect location to be the central trade route from Egypt to the Middle East. Everyone has to go through Canaan. Even to participate in sea trade, one had to be in Canaan. So there was a culture established and ingrained in every person who lived along this route. There was a particular way one would interact and show hospitality to these travelers. See, today in 2021, when we want to travel somewhere, we go online and find the best hotel or Airbnb or campsite or whatever would fit our budget. We would look up the reviews and see what the nightlife was like around the place we were staying, if there were any shopping or sights to see. Then we would book the hotel or place we stayed with a credit card and go on our way knowing that we had a place to stay in that particular town or city. However, this was not the case in Abraham's time. First off, there were not many travelers and that went from city to city. Most people were nomads or stayed in their village. They didn't go see the world as we do today. So when a traveler would come through a town, they were kind of at the mercy of the people living in that town. It was kind of up to the people living there to take care of the travelers coming through to provide them with shelter and food. 
If someone did not offer the traveler a room, they would often sleep in the town square or in a brothel, like the spies who Joshua sent in to spy on Jericho. The social implication of hospitality in the ancient Near East was to show a warm welcome to those who were traveling. To extend such kindness would reflect a high honor to one's house. However, to refuse to take a guest into your house would be insulting to your guest and set the precedent of hostility between both parties. Due to the geographical location of Abraham and Sarah's home, it is possible that they were used to hosting at this point. After all, they had been living in the middle of this trade route for 20 plus years. But there are two things that make this encounter unique and worth mentioning. Number one, the identity of these men. It is possible that they were just travelers passing through the region of Canaan. But it can also be argued that these men were angels and Yahweh himself. Because in chapter 18, it opens with, And the Lord, in all caps, so Yahweh, appeared to him, that being Abraham, by the tree of Mamre. This is significant because prior to now, God has only spoken to Abraham in a vision or audibly. But now there are people in front of him who know his personal God. It is also significant because of how one would host a deity is different than how they would host a human. When someone in the ancient Near East had company over at their house, they would do four things. Wash their feet, give them a place to rest, bring them food, food and drink, and walk them out or see them on their way. But when hosting a deity, they would upkeep the ziggurat, the place where the deity resided, by bringing food and drink to sustain the deity, while also protecting the place of their residency. Historical fun fact. We often see this language of feeding Yahweh later in the Old Testament, particularly when it comes to Israel's offerings and sacrifices. But unlike these gods that heavily depend on humans to sustain them with food and water and shelter and protection, there is no implication that Yahweh is dependent on humanity at all. Instead, we see Yahweh using this language to relate to his people in a way that they can understand. When reading these passages about offerings and sacrifices, we see it's less about feeding Yahweh and more about experiencing a communal presence with God Almighty. It is likely that at first Abraham did not know the identity of these men, so he treated them as he would any other visitor. He offered them water to wash their feet, he invited them to rest under the shade of the oak tree, he ran all over his camp to just get a small amount of cake and meat and milk for the men. And whenever they had finished, he walked them out towards the city of Sodom and saw them on their way. And the second reason this encounter is unique was because of the timing. The rhythm of Genesis 17 and 18 seems to suggest that these encounters with God happened on the same day, or at least relatively close together. So Abraham heard from God, was circumcised, 
and then had three strangers show up out of the blue. Now, I don't know about you, but even if they were angels, I am inclined to think that after a circumcision, one would not be up for much company. It would usually take a few days to recover, so how Abraham had enough strength to go running around his property gathering food for these men is beyond me. But remember, to refuse to take a guest in to your house would be an insult to your guests and display discord between you and them. So Abraham did what he had to do. He dropped everything, even recovery, to welcome them, give them food, drink, conversation, and rest. The next thing we should notice about this passage is that this is the first time Sarah hears she will become pregnant. This is interesting because all the times before, God spoke to Abraham, who then spoke to Sarah. But this time, Sarah heard the promise herself. She was old, well past childbearing years. She had basically given up on the idea of motherhood would happen for her. At this point, she had just accepted her life of shame and being barren and not being able to give Abraham a rightful heir. Historical fun fact. A woman's value was based on their ability to have children. A woman who was able to get pregnant had a higher standing in society than those who were unable to get pregnant. Women were taught from childhood that all they could ever hope to achieve was motherhood. But for those women who were unable to have a child brought disgrace on themselves, their husband, and both extended families because they were unable to continue the family line. Sarah was barren all her life. She was 65 years old when Yahweh first called Abraham. I'm sure the idea of having a child seemed wild and impossible then. But here she is 24 years later and still no child. So when she overhears the visitors say, this time next year Sarah will have a son, she laughs. Right then, the visitors ask Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah will have a son. When Sarah tries to defend herself, saying, I did not laugh, the visitors said very sternly, you did laugh. And we feel the air between them get really awkward. Then the visitors leave. But fast forward exactly one year, Sarah has given birth to a son in her old age. Abraham named him Isaac, just as Yahweh had instructed. We have to take a moment and talk about why the name Isaac was chosen. His name means he laughs, which as a reader, we are meant to assume this is referring to Abraham's reaction to hearing that he will have a son. But it's interesting to see laughter surround Isaac in his earliest years of life. Everyone in the story laughs at the absurdity that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. Abraham and Sarah both laugh when they hear the news. But once Isaac is born, Sarah's tone changes. And she says, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Here we see laughter meaning joy. Yahweh got the last laugh because God had not only fulfilled the promise that was once laughed at, 
but he was now giving them joy through laughter. What everyone thought was impossible, he made possible. And in return, Abraham and Sarah experienced the reverency of God through joy and laughter. When Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him in accordance with his covenant with Yahweh. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. That is exactly 25 years after God first called Abraham and promised him a son. And that's where our story stops for today. God establishing his everlasting covenant with Abraham and giving him his son, Isaac. Come back next time because we will discuss the biggest tests God puts on Abraham. He asks him to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice before the Lord. But before we go, I want to close our time together by reading scripture from which our story comes from today, from Genesis 17, 18, and 21. I hope that as you listen to this chapter being read, that you will embrace all that we have learned together and that this passage will be illuminated for you. Let's read. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and you will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his house, or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was thirteen. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household and bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to the tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. 
Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant, who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds of milk and the calf that had been prepared and set before them. While they ate, he stood near them under the tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the childbearing years. So Sarah laughed to herself and thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have the pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Then the men got up to leave. They looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Fast forward to one year later. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, and he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said that Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Thank you for listening to today's episode of our Ancient Future Story. I hope that you really enjoyed it. This episode was written and produced by Vic Harmon, executive produced by Amanda Gillum. Music is Embarking on an Adventure by Evan McDonald. Please support the show by subscribing and rating us. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Our Ancient Future Story. See you next time.